Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. How are you? Mostly, I'm just genuinely trying to recover from the absolute insanity of everything that happened this week. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're going to get to all of it. Don't worry. I just got back from getting my booster shot. And exciting news on that front, everybody. This newest booster that just came out is uh, it lasts a year. So it's like a regular flu shot. And the pharmacist found this out the same time I did because he looked it up on the computer and he was so happy he almost started crying. (laughs) God, I mean, that is a pretty wonderful thing. And I think we should all be very excited. Like this is this is great news. Vaccines are wonderful. They're magic. We should just be so thankful that they exist. (laughs) It's really true. Yeah. We ended up having like a 15 minute long conversation where he was just like, I'm sorry, we've just been so overrun. And I'm like, no, no, I understand. And he was like, this is just such great news. People aren't going to have to come in every few months anymore. Just once a year. Oh man. Like he was over the moon. So yeah, please go get the newest booster shot. If only for the pharmacists of America, because they're all very tired. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't get so paid tired, especially at like Rite Aid. He was like, what we need is to have like a designated nurse who works here, who does vaccines all day. And he's like, we don't have that. So mm-hmm. I have to leave the the desk to like, come give you your vaccine. And meanwhile, there's like a line of eight people deep into Rite Aid, like waiting. And it just takes fucking forever. And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Well, and. I, I know that, you know, I often remember just being so frustrated anytime I had to go to the pharmacy because there was never enough people um, to do anything. So, it you know, this is we should be very happy that it's possible to get these things easily, relatively speaking. Um, but yes, like, remember, let us remember these are still service workers who have been on the front lines of the last three years of absolute shit. So yeah, this guy, he was super young. He looked like, you know, early to mid twenties. And he was like, I started as a pharmacist in 2020. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you poor guy, Oof. you poor guy. And Yikes. I was like, well, at least everything by comparison will seem very tame. And he's like, that's true. Ever since 2020, it seemed like a little slower. <laughs> like, All right. Oh, Poor guy. So yeah, please do go get your booster. Um, So before we get to all of the insanity of film festival stuff, I guess we got to talk about the queen dying. Yeah, we should talk about the queen dying. I mean, also, let's face it. What a capper to an insane week of film festival drama, of film festival, like, premieres of controversial stuff. You probably lots thought and lots of- nothing could top the Don't Worry don't worry, Darling drama. God, say that three times fast. And then the queen fucking died. And it was like, oh, yep. yeah, I guess that could still happen. That's pretty big. Right. I, I mean, have to say, though, that was- like, I'm very happy. I know I've, like, chosen well in life because I have gotten more texts today about the Fantastic Four casting announcement that's going to come through sometime this afternoon than I did when the Queen died. <laughs> so, oh, like, my God. I know it's going <laughs> well uh, from friends. But yeah, that that's a huge uh, announcement that hopefully is coming today. So yeah, I, I got more texts about the, <laughs> the Fantastic Four casting, which, by the way, I was saying to Meredith, 
the uh, the expo is happening right now, so I am occasionally checking at Twitter to see if there's any major casting announcements or anything like that. I was telling Meredith, I don't really care about the uh, Fantastic Four. Sorry that much. <laughs> um, but there's a couple casting things that I'm very uh, curious about. I, I just basically am hoping that John Krasinski is not going to play Reed is my main thing. Uh, you know, Penn Badgley would be an interesting choice, I think. And yeah. we were talking about his performance in you. I think like he would give Reed that edge that I think he needs. Cause he's kind of a dick and Krasinski yeah. very strangely played him as like this warm <laughs> kind of like, I mean, that was a cameo appearance and it wasn't like really, you know, like I felt bad a little bit for the criticism he got. Cause I was like, I don't even know if he's really going to play this character. He's just sort of like a cameo. Um, but yeah, I didn't like what I saw of his performance. So I would be yeah. uh, bummed if John Krasinski. Yeah. <laughs> so, I also just, I find it fascinating that literally like people just refuse to stop trying to make the Fantastic Four happen. I know. I But here's the thing. As shitty as the results have been in terms of like what Marvel is doing to Hollywood at large, I will say mm-hmm. for what they are casting for, their casting is solid. So I am curious to see what Marvel does with, like the MCU does with the Fantastic Four this time around. Um, Mm -hmm. because I have faith in their casting department, which is why I'm so curious to see what they do. Um, There's been insane rumors about (laughs) casting that we're not (laughs) even going to get into because, like, every time I check Twitter, it's like, oh, word, this actor is being considered. Like, I don't even know if this is true. Um, But all of that aside, back to the queen business, man, it has just been, like, which celebrity whom I love is going to disappoint me next with some. And a lot of them have. I have gotten so many disappointed updates from you about people that we love. From Florence Um, Pugh to Amy Sedaris to like, there are some celebrities that you would expect it from, but like a lot of stupid, like girl boss posts. And it's like, you understand she's like the mascot for colonialism. Yeah. Like, Not, She's the figurehead for a genocidal colonial regime. But not, like, not, like, even that, because people are like, well, but she didn't do anything. It's like, yes, she fucking did. She traveled around the globe defending the British Empire. <laughs> like, yeah. this woman actively defended colonialism. She wasn't your grandma sitting in the Buckingham Palace drinking tea with her court. Like, she was actively defending this evil system. Um, mm-hmm. So don't project that she's like your fucking grandmother or a girl boss onto her. Oh, I'm like, yes, yes, queen. Go to visit all Literally. of the countries in Africa. Literally, Literal genocides yes, were happening. Queen. Yeah, like, come yeah. on. There are so many other women who, like, deserve your praise. And, like, it's just this gross, like, nostalgia, but also weird projecting. Like, so many people were, <laughs> let, let me just say that, Irish Twitter performed magnificently. And you know, there were a lot of people who were like, this is in poor taste. Um, what if it was your grandmother? But guess what? It's fucking not. She's not your grandmama. You don't have to defend this woman. 
The British yeah. Empire is and, evil. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And like, yeah, well, I was going to say plenty of people's great grandparents died because yes. of the potato famine. Well, and like after that, they the were troubles, like, yeah, like, the, yeah. And I mean, you know, Ireland aside, like every continent in the world has been touched by the British Empire in a bad way. It's a bad touch, guys. So like, you know, uh, India and like Africa, you know, like like huge, huge genocidal policies that killed millions and millions and millions of people. So it's like it was it was cool on the one hand because it united like black Twitter, Irish Twitter, India Twitter, you know, like everybody was on the same page for once and people were like top of their game funny for the past oh, couple of days. Were, it has been it has been a wonderful time for shit posting. Oh. It turns out like it also just gives me and I know because when somebody very old dies, we must mention this. It gives me so much hope for what's going to happen when Henry Kissinger finally kicks it. Dude, like anytime someone very, 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 very old dies and he's still alive, I'm like, what the fuck? I am going to party so hard when Kissinger <laughs> bites it finally. Oh, yeah. Like, because I've just been waiting forever for this guy to die. Uh, and it's I will throw soon. an actual party. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I think we should all throw Kissinger's dead parties. Um, mm-hmm. cause he's a fucking evil man. He's not your grandpa. What are we not going to do when Kissinger dies post sympathetically about him because he's a fucking monster and don't post sympathetically about the queen either. This fucking obsession that Americans have with the Royals is so weird. I can like understand if you're British cause it's kind of like, yeah, like you grew up with the brainwashing, but when Americans do it, I'm like, what happened to you that you have a I weird see- attachment to the queen? I saw a wonderful, uh, an actually really great post where somebody was like, oh, a friend of mine is British. And they said that it's not really necessarily about the queen herself. It's that the entire nation is told they're not ever allowed to have feelings. Right. So this is an opportunity for them to actually have like feel something, even if it's sadness for someone they don't really care about. And I was like, okay. And this person was like, okay, that's the closest thing to a half-decent excuse I've heard so far. And I'm like, yeah, I'd agree with that. I feel like I can sort of maybe, this is like an acceptable British time to feel. But even then, you had all these people on CNN who like, you know, British woman, she's like, well, I just, I don't really like the monarchy because of the colonialism and the, you know, what they've done in, in other countries. And also like, there's been some really shady stuff with like, Prince Andrew. Yeah, dad, and then dad, the dad. dude's like, uh, and then the dude has to go. He doesn't find someone willing to say something nice until he finds an American couple that was on holiday there. They're like, I like the crown on Netflix. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I I understand that, but like, for example, there's been a couple times where I have like felt myself responding very emotionally about a celebrity or news about a celebrity. And I just sort of put down my phone and I'm like, Allison, you don't actually know this person. They have no effect (laughs) on your real life. You don't have to feel a way about anything. And I'm like, oh, and then I go outside and I like live my life. And I'm, I'm just like, if you find yourself getting sad about the queen, go outside, you know, and maybe go get a nice lunch or a nice smoothie, go chat with a friend in real life, but like, don't get sad about the queen. 
Yeah. Well, let us let us take a moment to appreciate some of the celebrities who did make good posts, yes. even if they weren't necessarily uh, things that happened yesterday. People that we can say did not do bad things. Mm-hmm. Our man, Barry Keegan, did not. I text Meredith plans. and I'm like, you know who didn't let me down? <laughs> Cousin Barry. That is an Irish man who's not going to post anything nice about the queen. And I respect him endlessly for it. Listen, Tom Hardy. I know she knighted him, so like he feels obligated that he has to post, but I was still like, Tom, fuck. Really? But he's like weirdly, weirdly patriotic as like, Mm -hmm. you know, a British man. Like he he really likes the military and stuff. So I was like, "Mm, okay, that's kind Um, of on brand for him. Yeah. I also appreciated that the first new Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston, like he had written a long time ago about how much he hates the monarchy and he hates the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Somebody on his team worked very hard to take his phone and social media access away because he did not say anything. However, something he wrote for uh, some paper so a few years ago where he says the monarchy is a little bit like, you know, having a monarchy like next door is like having a neighbor who's really into clowns. Like they were, you know, everything. They love clowns. There's clowns all over the house. There's, uh, you know, they they won't ever put them down. There's always circus music playing. But also, your grandfather was murdered by a. <laughs> yeah, and like let's also remember when Alan Rickman and Kate Winslet met the Queen, and Alec Rickman leaned over to Kate Winslet and said, "If you curtsy, I'll kill you." <laughs> And Kate was like, okay, and didn't curtsy when she met the queen. Alec Rickman hated the monarchy, and that's another reason why he was so dope. Oh, yeah. So there are, we we can have people also, you know, Michael Sheen also hates the monarchy. He was not, he did not weigh in, but they asked him to do a monologue, a stirring monologue that was related to Wales getting into the so world good. for the first time since 1958. But that speech be, even if it was about soccer, could have been like I was ready to go out and like help Wales. Seriously, from the UK. I'm like, who are we like, killing? Oh. <laughs> Just seeing the faces of the football players too, like they were getting so amped. Just like listening to him, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And like, oh, I yeah. also love that he was like, oh, off the top of my head, okay. And then he just like delivers this stirring speech. It was so good. He's the best. Um, Incredible. Yeah, so I guess just remember that there are actually the countries in the world who haven't been affected negatively by the British Empire are the vast minority. So, like, just remember 22 of them, 22 (laughs) countries. There's only 22 countries on the planet that weren't invaded by the British mm-hmm. Empire. So just remember that. And one of those, yeah, one of those is Vatican City. So let's yes. just... Because <laughs> the Pope wouldn't allow it, no. Because um, the Pope was cheering them on the whole time, yeah. Um, so, and yeah, like any American who is like, why is everybody mad? It's not your fault because our public school system is so shitty. They didn't teach you anything in history. But like, now that you're an adult and you can read whatever you want, go fucking learn about the evil British Empire and why, you know, most of the planet hates them. So, and why monarchy is evil and we should um, kill all kings, you know? Exactly. And also, she, you know, I need to bring up that we don't know what's going to happen to the Corgis. True. 
True. She said she had said at one point she did not want she did not want to uh, have any of them survive after her death because she didn't want to leave them without her. Did you see the so, Reductress article that was like Corgis to be buried alive with? The yeah, I did. But yeah, but like what's going to happen? Even, yeah, I think even worse than that is that since one of them was a gift from Prince Andrew. Mm. they might go to a pedophile and like we frankly can't allow that we can't allow that no we can't like those we, corgis we need don't to invade england that. to protect them from prince andrew yeah if we're going to invade any country it should be great britain and it should be to liberate the corgis from prince andrew <laughs> i will exactly. support that um so obviously i we there's a bunch of film festivals uh that happened recently are still happening. Um, there's Venice, Telluride, TIFF, and I wanted to like lightly touch on Telluride and TIFF, but uh, obviously we have to talk about Venice because Venice we was unbelievable. Venice. I have to say, just like slow clapping, giving it up for Venice because wow, it was jam packed. A bunch of like very intriguing, let's say, films debuted there. There was wild shit happening behind the scenes on the red carpet. Very exciting. Very exciting to watch. So I have to give it up to Venice because even like I, I not even the organizers themselves, but it was just a spectacle, like stuff that was out of their control was happening. Mm hmm. Uh, and it was like, you could not stop it. The the fever pitch of the don't worry, darling stuff <laughs> was so incredible. Monday was one of the most glorious days that Allison and I have had in so long because we just spent the whole day texting each other what was happening at that exact moment as if we weren't aware ourselves. <laughs> I I like was so aggressively online that day that the day like passed in the blink of an eye because so much shit was happening. So obviously the big sort of banner story at Venice was the don't really worry darling stuff. I do want to talk about it just because I've gone so back and forth about this story because it was one of those scandals that was like very confusing when it was like first happening because all of the details were so unclear and Hollywood does have a long a horrible tradition of being incredibly sexist towards female directors. So I was very hesitant because I was sort of like, is this because, you know, Olivia Wilde is a woman and she's directing this film? And like, would we be treating a male director like this? And then it got so crazy that I was like, you know what, Olivia, like all respect to her as a filmmaker. I do think she's a good director. I think she's very talented. Um, I'm going to go see, don't worry, darling, when it comes out, et cetera, et cetera. But when she's like, would a male director be attracting this kind of attention? I'm like, for this? Yes, Olivia. Like, this is such a fucking wild, hot mess that even if a male director did the shit that she has allegedly done, you know, <laughs> let me say that, uh, then they would absolutely get a lot of attention because this is wild. This is a shit show, Olivia. Like, how are people supposed to ignore it at this point? And I'm sorry, but like, if you are truly a feminist, it is, we are at the point where when you are the director, the leader of a production, and you decide to start fucking your 10 years younger, co like, 
international star. superstar. Yeah, who is still not like terribly experienced as an actor. So there's still like international superstar, sure, but there's like we can't pretend that there isn't a power thing happening. Like, sure. Yes, it's happened a million times before, but like I could see people being frustrated by it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, listen, a lot of messy shit was happening. Actually, people.com has a very comprehensive layout of the timeline of events. But messy shit happened. You know, like, it's pretty clear by the timeline that, you know, is she was having an affair with Harry Styles while she was still married to Jason Sudeikis. I have to say, though, he creeps me out with his fucking behavior where he sent her the uh, divorce uh, or it was the divorce agreement. Was that it? Uh, it was custody papers. custody papers during a public event, which was a shitty thing to do. It made me think that he is a toxic man um, and that maybe she had a point in wanting to leave him, <laughs> you know, because that is a really uh, passive aggressive thing to do in a creepy way. Um, but then all of these details emerged about how, you know, Shia LaBeouf was supposed to be the original uh, actor for the part Harry Styles ended up playing and that he has such a fucking horrible track record of abuse towards women, um, including, you know, beating uh, FKA Twigs um, when they were together. Really, really horrible story. Um, so, you know, Olivia, because she's got this like feminist persona, was trying to pretend like, well, really, it was my call to recast Shia and then this video comes out where she's like basically begging Shia to stay on board with the project and she you know now famously refers to Florence Pugh as Miss Flo which has become this whole like viral thing um did you see that Florence's uh makeup and oh, I sure did, yeah. they now have shirts that say Miss Flo <laughs> mm -hmm. which I want I want one of those shirts I think that's amazing um, I have to say one quick thing about mm -hmm. the the flow thing, because people, um, you know, her text messages to Shia became public where Shia was like, I'm hearing that you are threatened by me. And Florence is saying, where did you hear that? No, blah, blah, blah. blah. How many times, Meredith, as a woman, have you found yourself in a situation where you said one thing to a woman? I feel threatened. And then I said him. something completely yep. different to the person. To him uh, when he kind of aggressively texts you like, so you're scared of me? And she says, what? Who told you that? So I have total sympathy for Florence in that moment because I have been in that situation many times. And her response, me reading her response, I was like, I know exactly what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, it, it read all of that read to me like someone who was trying to be as professional as possible and yes. keep things going, but was also... I think very pointedly finding like in addition to having real things going on, like also not maybe trying as hard as she might otherwise have tried to make it possible to rehearse. Like, I think that she yes. was trying to protect, like she was slow walking things to see if that was the way that she was quiet quitting as the people, <laughs> as the kids like to say. Yeah. And like to the people who were like, well, she shouldn't have worked at all with an abuser. I really, really, really hate to say this, but if you're Florence Pugh trying to work in Hollywood, if she chose not to work with people who are abusers or had allegations against them, Florence Pugh would not work. And that no. would mean that she is just punishing herself for shit that was not her fault. So I, when people respond flippantly like that, I'm just like, 
not to be condescending, not to be like, you know, whatever, but you just don't understand how the industry works. And I agree with you that we absolutely need to work to get rid of abusers. But to ask that of Florence Pugh is to ask her to punish herself for shit that was not her fault. And it's like, so she should have walked away from Don't Worry Darling because Shia wasn't like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, obviously she's making it very clear how she feels about this situation in general, like not doing the press conference, oh my God. showing up while the press conference was going on, swanning around Venice with an Aperol spritz in absolutely glorious coordinating loungewear. I have to say big, uh, big moment for Aperol spritzes because we had the Timmy Chalamet moment with a spritz. Uh, Florence had a spritz. I was like, wow, this is like a big moment for the spritz. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in Venice, you kind of like legally obligated to drink an Aperol spritz. I think it's just like, I actually think it's one of those things like in addition to the new tourism tax, you have to buy one. It's it's one of those (laughs) drinks that I think I would only enjoy in Venice sitting by the water because other than that, I got to tell you, not my favorite drink. Having had one, Sitting in a little piazza. Yes. Um, while I was like sketching and people were wandering around and I was hearing the, that year's Eurovision entry on the radio while I was drinking my Aperol spritz. It was glorious. Okay. So, so we got to put yeah. that on our bucket list. Cause now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, I want to go to Venice and drink an Aperol spritz. So <laughs> let's do it like on the off season or something. Oh, I think that's a perfect idea. Great. Um, so back to Don't Worry, Darling. So all of this shit is going down. Olivia's desperately trying to say it's not a story. It's not a story. Florence does not come up, come to the press conference, which is huge. That was a huge move on her part. So all hell breaks loose. A journalist tries to ask Olivia about Shia, which is a valid journalistic question, but this is a press conference for a film festival so they were intercepted immediately and they were not allowed to ask a follow-up about Shia which pissed off a lot of journalists but also I was like you know you're at a presser for a film festival right like this is kind of they don't let you ask hard-hitting questions of actors at those types of events so I don't know at the same time good on them good on somebody for at least doing it I think like somebody has to like it's useful for the press to remember what they're really supposed to do. <laughs> it is, but also you're not that type of... Jur- I don't know. There were a bunch of like White House journalists that were like outrageous. And I'm like, it's not a White House press conference. That's not what this is. But I was glad that somebody you know asked about Shia because to me, Olivia desperately trying to be like, this is not a story. It's not a story. It's not a story. The Shia thing, I'm like, no, that actually is the story. You were like begging an abuser to stay on your project which by the way I still quote that video to people where she's like sorry I'm so sweaty I was just riding my horse it was like how could you appear more disconnected from reality (laughs) like you're begging Shia (laughs) LaBeouf to stay on your project he is an abuser you're like I do own a horse by the way America America I know you have to work two jobs to pay your rent but I do own a horse I'm Olivia Wilde I was like got it Got it, Olivia. Um, so they do this fucking bananas press conference where do you think Harry Styles remembered that he was in a film? Uh, I think based on what he said, he might have. <laughs> do you but think only he like knows what the film's about. No, okay, I do not. 
Although having read spoilers, uh, read, read a review of the script myself, I'm not even sure what it's about. I heard the script <laughs> is not great. It's not getting good reviews. Um, actually, what I've heard is that Florence is great. The direction is solid, but the script is a fucking mess. So mm-hmm. that's a bummer. But, um, you know, obviously what everybody was talking about during the press conference and the screening is that, can we just give it up for Chris Pine? Because oh, this was our dissociating a, king. Oh my god, he! So we're gonna get to Spitgate in a second, but I, well, I'll I'll get to my theory in a second. But he, this was all so messy, and it it did have like a painful quality to it because you do have a, a female director and a female lead, and it feels gross to be salaciously like cheering on women fighting. You know, even though, like, I respect them both in their own way, and obviously I side with Florence, but I don't want to see a film reduced to, oh, catty fight, you know, like, that feels very gross. Um, So Chris Pine gave us this moment where it was like, this is all so shitty, it's all so messy, and then you just have Chris Pine trying to get through it. And he's like having to sit through these interviews with Harry Styles. And Harry Styles is trying to explain why he loves the movie. And he literally at one point says, I like the movie because it's like a movie. And you, we all got to see Chris Pine deal with that. And how he dealt with it <laughs> was leaving his body. And we've all been there, right? Like when you're watching that video and you see the vacant look in his eyes, it's like, this man is gone. He has transcended the he has, mortal plane. He has left. He has left his body. He is watching himself from above, wondering when he's allowed to come back. He's like, Ugh. when do I need to come back inside? And you know what feels so good about it is like Chris Pine is the opposite of aggressively online, right? Like probably still yeah, has a flip the man phone. has a flip. No, he said, I read an interview with him. He got rid of his iPhone and got a flip phone. Absolutely. He refuses to have. Yeah. Absolutely. He's like, I don't want. I mean, I'm fairly certain he was using a disposable film camera to photograph. Love him. uh, Florence Pugh on the red carpet. I think that man is aggressively analog. Yes. As a deliberate choice. And I am here for it. So you know. wants to read his books and go to the feminist bookstore. Maybe, maybe right gay fan fiction maybe yeah maybe he might also that is that that's a rumor the idea that chris pine might be actually be acclaimed hugo nominated um erotic gay erotica writer chuck tingle best possible thing to happen to the universe one of my favorite conspiracy theories yeah um no evidence that it's true by the way but no just this one time that apparently he wrote erotic fiction in a creative writing workshop that someone was in once right um, but what was so great about everything that was happening is you knew he wasn't doing it for the memes because Chris Pine with he a gun in his head could not tell you what a meme is. So mm-hmm. he wasn't being performative. It was just he genuinely chose to leave his body because uh, he wanted nothing to do with the drama or what was happening. He's an actor. He's a professional actor. He's a company man. He's going to go there. He's going to tell you he thinks the movie's great, even if the movie sucks. And he's going to sit through the screening and he's going to answer his questions and he's going to fucking go home because <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> so like all of this turmoil around him uh, happening was very, very funny. I also have to give it up uh, for Nick Kroll. He was a champion through the whole thing as well. So Nick and Chris Pine, great job. <laughs> you made it, buddies. 
Um, you know, obviously, keep it together, guys. Everybody made a big deal about the seating chart at the screener because they clearly did not want uh, Florence and Harry and Olivia sitting near each other. So Chris Pine and Nick Kroll were the buffer. And Gemma, Gemma too. She rose above it as a, a goddess and a queen and had nothing to do with the drama. Um, but they were the buffers between the drama, right? Um, and then everybody, a meme did happen. A global phenomenon uh it appeared as though according to some people <laughs> that harry styles spit on chris pine now here's a, the issue i i really feel like people would benefit if they believe something wild like that to say what they think happened aloud so you think and like you know shut your laptop and be like i believe that harry styles in front of hundreds of people and the world, because this was a very heavily photographed event, walked over to his co-star, Chris Pine, another very famous actor, and spit on him. You think mm -hmm. that happened. And perhaps if you said it aloud, you would immediately be like, I'm an idiot. That absolutely that's, did not happen. <laughs> it's like, oh God, that's legitimately insane. Mm -hmm. What am I thinking? Harry Styles, <laughs> again, internationally famous pop star very familiar with how publicity works how cameras work uh walked over to christmas and spit on him so like immediately but i had maybe a dozen people message me on instagram and text me convinced it did happen and these are not dumb people you know like these are very intelligent people but they were like what else could have happened in that video and i was like okay let's consider it for a second um as someone who has ingested, um, how you say, illegal narcotics in the past, right? Um, recreationally, to get through an uncomfortable event, say if your director and your lead actor have been fucking and now they hate each other, and you have to get through interviews with the lead actor, perhaps you would ingest something to help you get through that. I'm not saying this happened. I'm just saying, like, let's let's pretend it did, right? So mm -hmm. in the video, people are like, what is happening? Like, Chris Pine is responding to something. What is happening in that video? In my experience, having been high before, what I think is happening in that video is Chris Pine momentarily forgets where his sunglasses are, then remembers, hey, dummy, they're on your lap. And he kind of knowingly smirks about it, where he's like, oh, right, yeah. I'm stoned. That's where my sunglasses are. If you watch it through that lens, I believe that's what's happening in that video. Oh, I firmly agree with you. I think that he, you know, like, also, how else would he have been able to so successfully dissociate yes. from what was happening around he him? He was mildly tripping. Man was yeah, mildly tripping balls the whole time. Um, yeah. Which, again, allegedly, 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 but also good for him because who would not in that situation? Like, he has my full sympathy and support if that's what he chose to do. I just think if you watch the video and know that he's mildly tripping that whole time, it explains why he is reacting to something. And also Harry might have said something under his breath to him that made him like. Yeah. And he probably him. made like, yeah, my guess is he probably made some sort of off color joke. Yes. And Chris Pine was like, oh, ha ha ha. ha, ha, ha yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the fact that that blew up to the point where Harry <laughs> had to. Like he joked about it at the concert, but then they actually had to put out a statement, too, where it's like. I did not spit on Chris Pine. Why would I do that? That's insane. Uh, it just, it kind of showed me 
our version of like QAnon where it's like we always make fun of QAnon and their conspiracy theories but it's like y'all believed Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine for like a day and a half you actually believe that some people are still saying it happened and I'm just like okay we have like we are all broken like the last several years have just utterly and completely ruined us we cannot function because this is how our brains are operating right now. What has happened? <laughs> uh, we are. You're right. We're so broken. Um, so, yeah, other than that, like I and again, like I know Olivia has been saying, like, can we get back to the movie? But even that it's like, all right, if you want to get back to the movie, Florence has made comments about how she felt like exploited by the sex scenes in the movie. And how the media has been framing the movie and framing the sex scenes. It's like, I don't think Olivia actually wants to have these conversations. What she's asking for is just to not be criticized. And it's like, yeah, we're beyond that. Olivia, we're beyond that for so many reasons. It's very like girl bossy Mm -hmm. in like the bat way. Because you're like, oh, you think that this is. And I'm like, okay, you're going to be fine. But, you know, this, you know, I think she should be happy that there's all this controversy because yeah, it feels like if the movie is not good, like this is actually going to like, this might get more people to see it rather than. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's true. And also let me say like, I'm not dismissing like what Olivia Wilde has to endure being the girlfriend of Harry Styles. Cause I know he has psycho fans that come after her and like, I'm not, dismissing that and I know like it's been bad for them and they've had to like publicly say like you guys are making it very difficult for us to have a relationship and I think that's sad you know um so I'm not dismissing like all of her complaints and like is there sexism in covering this yeah absolutely anytime anytime you ask yourself is there sexism it's like yes absolutely it's not in Olivia's head this is happening (laughs) and also like you know, the incels were going after her and all that shit because she said something about Jordan Peterson. Like, all of that is real. However, when she's like, she tries to pretend like nothing newsworthy is going on and it's like, I don't agree with you. Like, what were we supposed to do? Like, pretend that the whole Shia thing didn't happen? Pretend that Florence Pugh didn't say she felt exploited? Like, there were newsworthy things happening, but also I do think we need to acknowledge that like, yeah, of course sexism is part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, okay, we just need to, you know, we needed some drama here. We needed to do this. We were trying to figure it out. You know, this is, you can't buy this kind of publicity. No, and like. <laughs> and I think like, she's still going to be okay. She's got deals for so many other movies. She'll be fine. Kinds of projects. Like, she will be able to continue. Yeah. I think that it sucks that she is dealing with this and a lot of sexism is coming from like, male executives who just really don't believe that women are capable of being creative leaders, um, which fucking blows. But guys, like don't, don't, don't act hurt. You're, you're rich and famous. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, (laughs) let's remember Olivia Wilde is incredibly privileged, incredibly wealthy, gorgeous. She's an actress. In addition to being a director, she could do a million things. She will be fine. But (laughs) it's like, yeah, like how I 
how I summarize the whole thing is like, I'm like, come on, like we do have to actually talk about this. Like it's not sexist that they're, we acknowledge this as a spectacle and this was fucking crazy. What happened? The fact that your lead actress refused to do publicity, even though she signed an ironclad contract saying the studio could sue her if she does not do publicity, because that is just a standard thing in contracts with actors. The fact that Florence Pugh, despite having signed that was like, fuck y'all, I'm not going is a huge story. Huge, 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 story. huge, huge. And it would ha- it would be a huge story no matter where it happened, no matter who the director was. If it was a male director and your lead actress was saying, it's so uncomfortable to be around you at this point. I'd rather go to court is like, wow, <laughs> she's mad. Miss Flo is pissed. And again, I don't blame her because that video came out and she called her Miss Flo. What was the first thing? Ooh. Whoa! Sorry, we got a we got a very angry uh, ambulance coming through. Wow! I thought that was it. Sounded like morning DJs when it's like ooh, like oh god, yeah, the air horn. Like air horn. The, I was like, yeah. oh, to cap my point. Um, but yeah, like I I guess we could just move on. Did you have anything you wanted to say about? Don't worry, darling. Uh, I mean, we, we haven't seen it, so we can't even like review the film. No, no. I right now. I mean, I can remove the drama, which is definitely a plus. A plus, but, but good job, everybody on the drama front. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think, yeah. Don't worry, darling. You know, also at Venice was the premiere of Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe movie starring Anna de Armas. Getting good reviews. Sounds, yeah, it sounds insane. It sounds completely insane. I don't know if I'll watch it, but. I think like okay, this this at least is interesting. I'm intrigued. It got a 14 minute standing ovation, which is absolutely insanity. Um, I feel like there needs to be a limit to how long the standing ovations can go for. Can you imagine clapping for 14 minutes? No, I don't even want to think about standing for 14, 14 minutes. minutes. I would leave. I'd leave. I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like it goes past. I mean, listen, there were like eight minute ovations, 10 minute ovations, but like it goes past five. I'm like, y'all, what is this? Um, but it's getting good reviews. I'm shocked because that trailer was something. Um, (laughs) like I, I just don't know what we're getting with this film. I still don't know why it's NC 17. Um, you know, a lot of attention has been paid to Anna's accent. I'm kind of like, I'm much more interested in why it's NC 17. Mm-hmm. And haven't gotten a clear answer about that. So I'm going to watch it because it's going to be on Netflix. I'll stream that shit for three hours. You know, one yeah. afternoon when I'm boring or it's like raining outside, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, also the, I guess, 14 minutes is one more minute than the new Martin McDonough movie, The Banshees of Inishim, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I can never remember which random Irish name they pick for stuff, but that's Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Brendan Gleeson reuniting after being in uh, um, in Bruges many years ago. Also, a Martin McDonough movie that I adore. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just an excuse to watch Colin Farrell be kind of hot and play an idiot. Like, give it to me. It looks great. I'm on board. I'll definitely check that out. We can hop around between Telluride and TIFF just because, like. Again, Venice was yeah. such a spectacle. I like I recognize that Venice is like for the elites and it's very snobby and it's like largely inaccessible to a lot of people in the film industry, which sucks. But I'm sorry, Venice like fucking stole your thunder this year. Nobody seems like happy to be at 
the Toronto International Film Festival <laughs> this year. So like, but like, you know, Tell You Ride had Michelle Yeoh. So you got to give it up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I am excited. Uh, the Weird Al movie premiered yeah. at the Toronto at, at TIFF and is getting excellent reviews was was very well received. I'm excited about it. That's coming out on the Roku channel in November. Um, so funny that it's Roku, like how on brand. I know how on brand, but I'm all for it. At least they got it made. It seems like it's going to be wild. I think it'll be a I'm cult into- hit. Yeah. 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 I think so too. Um, the which whale, is all good to me. the whale got a lot of attention with Brendan Fraser. He appears to be like one of, if not the front runner now for best actor, although it's so early that can change very easily. Uh, Anna seems like she is one of the front runners for Blonde, although uh, Kate Blanchett is getting like amazing reviews uh, from Tar, and seems like she might take it this year. Um, yeah, yeah. Although, apparently, Tar is it, incredible. Yeah, I'm very interested in seeing that. I think it'll be very cool. Um, let us not forget, we do still want to see Michelle Yeoh get nominated for everywhere all at once so that she could show up at the Oscars and make an outclass every single person. I think she might get nominated. I want her to win. I it's not going to happen. But no, I know. I <laughs> I'm hoping she'll get a nomination because more people will see the film then, and that would be great. Uh, women talking is getting a lot of great buzz. Although there's so many women in that film, I think they'll just divide. Uh, and no one will be the standout, you know, which is another reason we need a best ensemble award at the Oscars. Agreed. Because there are, we're getting more ensembles that seem to really, uh, really, really like deserve recognition beyond some of the critics, uh, awards that happen. I think that will also cut down on showboating, you know, like uh, I've gone on this spiel before, so I won't go on it again, but best acting is not most acting. You know, so like if there was an award that recognized, hey, you were a great supporting presence in this film and you were just solid and you didn't have a Joaquin Phoenix moment where you go absolutely fucking crazy. uh, You, too, deserve an Oscar. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So also, God, there are just so many. And like I like I don't know much about Bardo. Do you? I know very little about it, although I have become so annoyed by Inaritu that, like, I don't think I care. Yeah, and, I, like, <laughs> I've heard Bardo's not going to help that opinion. Like, it's, it, what I've heard, it's very self-indulgent. <laughs> oh, Inaritu being self-indulgent, the man who decided we were going to shoot The Revenant entirely in natural light? Like, Jesus. never. Jesus. How many interviews did they have to fucking say that? You know, we shot it in natural light. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I just can't believe I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, can you do you just have to be such a bro about everything? Yeah. You're such and the a answer bro. is yes. You're just such a fucking bro. Yeah. Um, opposite of bro um, behavior, uh, the glass onion, a knives out mystery. Oof, that preview looks incredible. I am so psyched. I want to watch uh Catherine Hahn and Janelle Monet be awesome, just like forever. I forgot all the Catherine time. Hahn's in it, and I like screamed when I <laughs> <laughs> I love Catherine Hahn so much. I will watch anything she's in. Yeah, I. There was um the sun. You are you excited about the sun? Um, 
which one is that? Mm-hmm. I think that tells you all you need mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I I would be hard pressed to uh, tell you what it is about. Um, should we read the summary since neither of us know what this is about? So it's uh, Hugh Jackman. Peter, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's Hugh Jackman, has his busy life with new partner Beth and their baby thrown into disarray when his ex-wife Kate turns up with their teenage son Nicholas. Oh dear. Okay. Um, I mean, Vanessa Kirby is Beth. Does that help you want to see it? Uh, Laura Dern, Anthony Hopkins. Is this doing anything for you? It's doing a little bit for me. Laura Dern. It's doing a little bit for me. Yeah. I mean, that's a good cast. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. Seems like one I'll probably wait to watch on streaming. Absolutely. I'm not going to the theater for that. It's not going to happen. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. And I, I think that's about all I wanted to say to discuss about the festivals. Yeah, let's get into some of the cool stuff that we've seen on streaming that has been pretty fun. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be a horror-heavy recommendation section. I'll start with Hatching, which I saw a couple weeks ago. And I'll I'll say this. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. It's not scary. Let me just say that. Um, but it is interesting and it, uh, I thought the cast was really, really solid. I'm not going to try to pronounce any of their names <laughs> because it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> I'm going to butcher it. But basically it's about this young girl who's a gymnast. She's desperately trying to, uh, get the approval of her aggressively online mother. And the mom is so funny, like with how she's obsessed with social media and her little videos. Um, And one day the daughter discovers a strange egg that she is hiding in her room and taking care of. And then weird shit goes down, guys. And I'm not going to spoil it for you because if you're a horror fan, you should check it out. I'll just say it's not scary. So if you're one of those people who's like, I want to check this out, but is it scary? Are there a lot of like jump scares? I think you'll be fine. It's just it's more interesting. Yeah. And as you since you sent me a photo of the person who made the movie you were like, this is the guy who made Hatching. And I was like, that is the most finished looking person I have ever seen in my entire life. He physically could not look more finished. Um, so let's talk about who invited them. And I'll let you steer that since you recommended it to me. Yeah. So, of course, I am the kind of person who, as soon as there's a new movie on Shutter, immediately turns it on and then decides if Allison needs to see it. Uh, so <laughs> I this appreciate is... that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a short, it's under 90 minutes, uh, one location, uh, home invasion move like type film where a aging hipster couple, and I say aging hipster as in they, they are probably our age yeah. or a little bit younger even, mm-hmm. uh, have a housewarming party and some odd, very chic, uh, odd, but very chic seeming, uh, couple crashes the party. Uh, and they hang out, get silly, and then things get really tense and kind of scary and weird uh, because these very chic, very attractive, but slightly off people turn out to be exactly as crazy as you would imagine from a movie that is called Who Invited Them and is playing on Shudder. Um, yeah. The sound, the, yeah. the soundtrack is very fun, um, has some really good, like, excellent stuff from, I would say the mid 2010s 
Um, if you were in Brooklyn around that time or <laughs> knew anyone who had been to Brooklyn at that time, you will recognize this music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, it felt, I felt so uncomfortably seen Ugh. by the ways that they made it clear that this couple wasn't fully ready to like, they hadn't come to terms with the fact that they're not in their twenties anymore. There's a great moment where I just want to like shout out the cast. Cause like, as you said, it's filmed, it's one location. So, you know, the cast is very, very important. Like casting for this film uh, was key. So Melissa Tang plays Margot, and there's a scene where she is clearly like drunk for the first time in a while since she had a baby. And there's a moment where she's like, oh, can I smoke a cigarette? That I was like, I am being dragged through filth right now. Like, <laughs> I saw myself so much in her in that moment and in that performance. Like, she's having so much fun being, like, a little naughty because she hasn't been naughty in a oh, while. Yeah. That she's so And great. I'm like, oh, you're doing some, you're like, you want to do some cocaine? Oh, you're going to do some cocaine? Yep. You're going to smoke that one cigarette yep. outside? And you can, you're holding it in that way that's like, it's been a while. <laughs> oh. Um, the husband, Ryan Hansen, is like fucking him. He's like, you have to like him enough so you care when bad things are happening to him. But he's such a douchebag in the beginning that like that is just like chef's kiss could not be better. And then the the couple who crashes this party, Perry, uh, Mattfeld and Timothy um, Granaderos are like so good and like so charming like this attractive couple like exactly the type of people that you would like want to hang out with after hours and then the because I don't want to give away like obviously what happens but like the subtle little nuances of like when shit gets creepy is so good yeah there's like it's it reminds me there's something so it's uh so perfect about it because it's that combination of how it of not wanting to be the uncool and wanting to be polite to someone because you think that they're like, you know, you want to hang out with them later and you want, so you like ignore, maybe you're willing to overlook certain things because you're so desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that ties really nicely to another movie that I do want to talk about. That'll be a recommendation um, called speak no evil, which is also very much about how people ignore, um, ignore their gut instincts because out of a sense of wanting to be polite um, and how that can go disastrously wrong. So I thought this was like a really, like it was funny. Like Mm -hmm. I was laughing a lot. I felt like this was very relatable. Um, You know, yes, it's set in LA, but like, I felt like I know some of these people. Yeah. Yeah. It might as you might as well be in Park Slope or Borum Hill. Like, yeah, which is like most people in LA now anyway. Like you used to live in Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah, precisely. Um, But it was so much fun. I thought um, the director, the writer director did a great job. I was really, uh, um, I just felt like this was just very successful and like a really excellent example of how, uh, ingenious filmmakers with really limited budgets and um, like resources find ways around those limitations and then make things work, you know? Yeah. And I wanted to, the director is Duncan Birmingham. I I did like want to shout him out because as you were saying, um, well, I guess uh, I'm, I'm torn because I don't want to give anything away, but I'll say this. 
usually what would be the grand reveal in a film like this is obvious very early on. And I just wanted to shout out the film because it remains interesting. And to me, that is an indication of very high level writing because if you're hanging your hat, if the entire success or failure of your film depends on a reveal, chances are it's not a good film. (laughs) (laughs) Because nothing else interesting is happening. But in this case, at least for me, it was like very obvious early on what the twist, quote unquote, was going to be. And I still loved the film. And I was like, that's good characters, good acting, good directing, good writing. That's what that is right there. So I, I heartily recommend yeah, I mean, there is there is just something so yeah. It was and and to thread that needle of like okay, we know this is a horror movie, but like this could also be the like this could also be a sex thing. Yeah, like exactly. we know it's supposed to be scary, but it's like okay, but are they gonna try and fuck them? Yeah, like, like they might also <laughs> just fully have sex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, oh, I've been in those situations before. That can be very uncomfortable. Yeah, like around two a.m., you're like, so what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> are like, you trying to up? get us all naked? Yeah. Uh, and then, what's going on? The last recommendation that I had, if you have anything else, let me know, Meredith. But this again came from you. Uh, Salam is that how it's pronounced? Uh, so I would say Salom. Salom. Uh, yeah. Another. And actually, I would say kind of in the same category, just like a really solid. I wouldn't necessarily say scary. Yeah, but it was I thought that given, you know, it's it's an African movie. Mm -hmm. It's uh, and it said in 2003, um, some mercenaries are trying to escape with uh, a bunch of money and uh, deal with a um, a South American or Mexican drug dealer. They're trying to get out uh, and get to Dakar, Senegal. Um, but their plane crashes in um, the countryside and they end up in this, uh, it's sort of like a commune, sort of like a resort. You're not really clear exactly what's what's happening there. But then a bunch of supernatural shit starts happening and it is, it's just really, really beautiful to look at. Yeah. It's really well shot. It's interestingly made. And, you know, you just, again, it's a, really fantastic premise like mercenaries versus the supernatural in like the African outback like that's just great yeah I mean this is a compliment but the whole time I was watching it I was like this is a really complicated story and especially like for something in the horror genre which is usually like pretty straightforward storytelling but like there's a really rich backstory of the protagonist that I won't reveal and like the three mercenaries have very distinct styles and personalities and wants and desires. And I was just like, I was really impressed by the execution of the film. Cause it, you're right. It's like gorgeous to look at the, everyone's styling is like immaculate. I love how everyone looks in this film. Um, oh my God. So many excellent outfits. Like this, it, it really is. So many attractive I think it was people. just, <laughs> yeah, really gorgeous, yeah, yeah, gorgeous yeah. people. But I, I think a lot of it is, and I, I recognize that I'm telling on myself a little bit, but um, there, you know, you just don't see a lot of movies that are, that you just don't get a lot of access to movies coming out of Africa right, that, right. Um, you know, and I thought that it was really cool that Shutter picked it up. I thought that like it showed 
you know, it's just really like very talented, very slick direction, like in, a, you know, had a lot of, it just get a lot of cool points for me, I it's think is, really, is the really best way cool to put it. Film. Yeah. Like just watching it, I was like, man, this is, I, like you said, I'm so glad people get access to this and get to see this because this is a fucking cool film. Um, yeah. And to circle back what I was saying about. If this about, was an American, I was going to yeah. say, if this was an American director, um, the comic book movies would already be calling. A hundred percent. Like. <laughs> the way it's shot, I was like, this is a comic book. I could see it in panels. Like, it's so stylized. It's so colorful. Yeah, like, it would be such a dope. Like, can you imagine reading about the adventures of the mercenaries? Like, it would be so Oh, my cool. God. Those three characters, I was like, I want to spend way more time with these guys. I want to learn more about them. You know, like, they're just, I mean, how many times can I say cool? But it is, like, such a dope film. I really, really recommend it, guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, you're just, you you can't go wrong, um, actually, with both of those suggestions, especially, like, it's just, as we move into spooky season, mm-hmm. it's really, really, really gratifying to see um the interesting stuff that is is not in the mold that we're really used to when it comes to scary movies. Expand your mind. And I like to give it up to Shudder too. Like, you know, everybody when we're talking about the streaming wars is talking about Netflix, talking about Hulu. Some of the coolest international imports I've seen recently has been on Shudder. Absolutely. I think that I just, you know, the people who are doing the curating for them deserve massive raises. Yeah, like if <laughs> Just I, if I was down. for Netflix or Hulu, I would be poaching from Shutter. And like, I don't want to say that because I want Shutter to remain pure and its own thing. But like, yeah, if you're looking for people who have good taste, who are find, finding dope shit in places that aren't the United States, like, look at what Shutter is doing, guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's our, you know, and it's not as if we don't almost always end up recommending something from Shutter. But yeah, just once again, great job, guys. Keep it up. We are going to continue. Like if if I had to get rid of every streaming service except for one, that's the one I would keep. Yeah, I think probably me too, which is a, a crazy thing to say because I also watch Netflix and Hulu a lot. But in terms of like, should I watch that I think about the rest of the week that I really excitedly recommend to other people it's always shutter yeah yeah exactly agreed so anything else you want to recommend well i do say uh if you have the chance to check out speak no evil when uh, it comes out on shutter next week definitely do that i watched it um i streamed it through a film festival a few months ago it's danish um it's also it just has some some of the best dread building mm. I've seen in a long time. And um, that is hard to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. I, you know, obviously haven't watched it yet. But when it comes out on Shutter, I'm it's number one on my list to check out. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, let's see. God, do I have any other recommendations? Not really. I've been reading a really interesting book called All the White Spaces, which is mm. a sort of supernatural horror, but it's also like a seafaring adventure to Antarctica. Oh, so cool. um, a young a young person uh, runs off to join, you know, as a stowaway to join an expedition because their brothers were killed in World War One. Um, and so it's the opportunity to finally live as their true gender, 
was a boy. Um, and but during this, they're also grappling with this sense of haunting over the death of their siblings and the fact that this had been their dream. Um, and then, of course, the expedition starts to go horribly wrong. I always forget that we can recommend books. Everybody, I'm reading This Is How You Lose the Time War, which is a, a great sci-fi book that's won every award it can win. Um, and it's basically just letter correspondence correspondences between uh two soldiers um, who are living during different times and writing back and forth. And that's all God, it is. I love a good, <laughs> yeah. Love a good epistolary novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, the, I love the voices of, they're just called red and blue. They have very distinctive voices and it was written by two authors and they just wrote back and forth and made a dang book about it, which is very cool. Um, so yeah, check that out as well. And on that note, everybody, please follow Meredith on social Meredith L. Clark. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, follow Light Treason on all the socials as well. If you're a fan of the show, go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. Or you can sign up at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. If you sign up over there, you get to skip the line when you send in recommendations, questions, concerns. I'll read that shit on air. Can you even believe it? Guys, have a great rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.